You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back, Real Presence Live listeners. Fantastic conversation about secular Carmelites. What a unique uh, vocation within the life of the church. And great to have Marie Goyle and Marilyn Baker here to share about that. And uh, uh, if you feel pulled to that charism, I absolutely encourage you to check out one of those come and sees uh, or contact either one of them. Uh, You can find information about those groups online as well. Uh, But just to reach out and see what it's like. That's kind of how my vocation as a secular Franciscan started. It was, you know... I had always felt drawn to the Franciscan charism, didn't know what to do about it, and then found out, hey, there's these secular people, and, and they do that while living in the world. That could be one. That could be me. I could be one of those guys. And uh, there you go. Yeah, the I didn't even history. know that was a thing. Like, I didn't know you could be a lay, like, religious order kind of person. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that is, I know a lot of lay Carmelites, and they're some of the best people I know. It is definitely not my charism. I can't pray that much. Like... <laughs> Maybe someday. I don't have enough time in my day to carve out to do what they have well, to do. you know, like like we were talking about when we were on air uh, with them, that uh, it really, uh, it's it's something that you, you find a way to work in. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it looks different. I know I've said uh, liturgy of the hours with kids climbing on me and all kinds of things like that. So it can be done. It can be done. Uh, it just looks different. It's a it's a hundred different faces of living out that charism in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, next guest is... Ta-da! None other than Melissa Scacio herself. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Unite uh, Ministries, which is kind of a, a joint effort. We have uh, six parishes here in town mm-hmm. in Rochester, and they all sort of coordinate together to do a few events a year at least. It's sort of a, it's almost a mini World Youth Day. Kind of. Uh, kind of for the, uh, the, uh, the young people involved in the youth ministry here in town. Uh, so, could you tell us a little bit about uh, Unite in. Yeah, sure. It's um, it's it's really neat actually, and it's kind of the wave of the future. Like if you from if you know Wisconsin at all, the the diocese of Lacrosse is kind of going more to like citywide stuff versus parish, mm. especially with the with all of the COVID stuff and nobody could do anything. It's like really they're all, almost like restarting youth ministry from like square one almost. And it kind of makes sense too in a lot of the, especially these, a lot of these bigger cities, you may go to a parish depending what time works with the uh, sports mm-hmm. schedules and everything else. So you may technically be registered at a parish but you're going to, you know, Pox one weekend, Res another weekend yep. just because that's the way the schedule works or what side of town you're on at the time. Um, so I think it makes sense to to look at these programs more as a as a regional, as a citywide thing. Yeah, and I think that that is, is a really helpful way to look at it. I think there's you know the the idea of the boundaries of the parishes and you should go to your parish and do the stuff that's there and you shouldn't be elsewhere and there's kind of a numbers competition sometimes which is the wrong way to think about youth ministry like we want kids to get to heaven like we're all on the same team right um so i i love the idea of unite um and it was a Originally, it was an initiative of the Rochester Area Catholic Youth Ministry offices. Um, the mission was to unite the teams, hence the, the name of the go. program, Unite. Ignite a love for Jesus and his church and invite teens to respond to that that love that's being given to them with love back. Um, we had not done anything for a long time. Um, it's been almost three years since 
we've been able to run any programming. Um, as I'm like a youth minister now, I get to be in on the the insides on the board of this, which is which is really actually a a, a fun thing because I have three teenage children. Right. So it's like, what would your kids want to do? Let's do stuff like that. And to kick it off in July, we actually took a group of I think there were like 18 kids. We went to Valley Fair. Mm. If you listened to the last time when Zach Ross for people was on who aren't from oh, sorry. the area of Valley Fair, it always a, a amusement park, so like Six Flags or um, lots of roller coasters. I don't do well on them, so a very very brave of people to ride on a roller coaster with me. A high chance of being vomited on. Um, <laughs> so um, so we did that in July, just as kind of like a kickoff. Like let's just do something to get it restarted again. And we have five other big events planned um, throughout the school year. We don't do much in the summer just because people are not really around um, and it's harder to get kids together then. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, we do... um, like the the one that we have coming up first is uh, we're hosting a mass. They used to do this on a monthly basis, and it would rotate the churches. Even some of the parishes that were not in the city actually were involved at that point. Mm. So St. Charles, which is out of the city, would host one. Um, and it basically, you just the Saturday evening mass is like we call that the Unite Mass. And then afterwards, we feed the kids. We have some kind of programming. There's some social time. Really, it's just kind of like a mini retreat where the kids go to mass. Sometimes there's adoration, um, usually some kind of educational component, and then just fun, just to kind of build. Like we all need community. Like when Emily, Emily right, was talking yeah. earlier, like women need community with women, youth need community with youth. They mm. need to be able to see. You know, I felt very alone as a kid that was a Catholic. There weren't very many of us. Um, I would have given my left leg to have the community in this this bigger town that the kids have when we have events. It's amazing to see how many Catholic kids there really are here. And my kids go to a Catholic high school, so they are so spoiled. <laughs> They're so spoiled to have so many um, Catholic youth around them. I'm just like, you guys have no idea how lucky you are. Right, like, It would yeah. have been amazing to have this. Like, My life would have been different if I would have realized there were more of us right. out there. So... um yeah, it's 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 going to be great. Um, we have parties uh, and over MEA break, which is like a, a big holiday. That's, that's a sacred holiday here in Minnesota. It is a sacred holiday. The kids have Wednesday through Friday off of school, and um, we're going to have a, a fall party where they're just going to have fun stuff. It's going to be pumpkin carving and... Um, the trivia games, um, Pox Christie across the street from St. James has this huge youth center. They have a gym, they yep. have this fun room, there's foosball, there's uh, there's pool tables, um, and it's just going to be like a, a big social. That's basically all it's going to be. We'll probably open in prayer and end in prayer, and then that'll be it. Just a chance for the kids to have community. That's coming up on Thursday, October 20th. And then in November, um, we have a Friendsgiving, where if you've ever seen the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving... Um, Oh, no, no. Is it Charlie Brown? Yeah, the one where, um, yeah, Charlie Brown has to host Thanksgiving, and it's like toast, and it's marshmallows and jelly beans, nice. and he's supposed nice. to, to create this dinner. So we replicate the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving dinner oh, with nice. the kids, and nice. um, that'll be at St. Pius, which is another one of our hosting parishes, and they open their gym, and that's just another big Very cool. social, we call it Friendsgiving. Friendsgiving um, like just it. another opportunity um, to build community. And we try to do something like every month-ish. Um, hope it typically works out like that. But, um, yeah, a lot of really fun, exciting stuff coming up. Yeah, and I think uh, kind of like we've, we've talked, some of the interviews we've done before, like when we were talking with uh, Zach from the across the street, mm-hmm. the, 
So there's a lot of people who are coming, moving to Rochester yes. to work at Mayo or IBM or, or wherever it is. And some of those are young people, but some of those are also, you know, parents with kids, yep. right? And those kids, it can be easy for them to get lost too. When you're coming to a new town, you got to make new friends and things like that. So I think having a, a, a big outreach ministry like this is is crucial for mm-hmm. these for these young people to kind of make Catholic friends and find out they're they're not the only Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to offer them support and just yeah. you know, there's people out there that love the youth. I'm a huge. I love teenagers. They're my jam. Like I would <laughs> rather talk to teenagers than anyone else. Um, and it just teenagers are kind of lost. Society is really pitting them with a lot of pressures from a lot of a lot of different ways, and it's hard to be Catholic. Yeah. Um, I was I was with a group of kids and I'm like, who thinks it's easy to be Catholic in the world? And it was about fifty fifty. And I'm like, oh, wow. for those of you who said it was easy, or what, it, you don't think it's going to be hard, mm-hmm. um, I've got news for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's really hard. You know, we're called to a higher moral standard. We're called to greatness in the world and to not be like the world. And um, just to, I was never told that as a kid. Like catechism was not real great. So um, I want to make sure that the kids know that. That, that they have a higher call. And if you challenge kids, kids will respond. If you give them something to strive for, um, they, will, they, will meet, they will meet the challenge because you're giving them something. Like, they're, they're bored. Right. A lot of kids exactly, are bored. Yeah. They're like, I'm not being challenged. Like, I'm just, I sit on my social media and just watch things all day. And it's all just about entertainment and, and pleasure seeking. And if mm-hmm. you, like, there's just something deep inside all of us that when you are called, like, called to arms, you know, you yeah, know, figuratively, yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're called, like, people will be like, oh, my gosh, that, it just stirs something inside of you. And when you, when you let the kids know what the church actually is calling them to, like, what we need, like, what kind of greatness we need out there, um, they just, it, it moves them. And, you know, and then, then there's a process, like, how, what does that look like? How do we do that? You know, how do you witness, um... And the Unite program does a really good job. There are some of the best people in the city. The youth ministers do not get paid much. They yeah. are yeah. they are not in it uh, for a paycheck. Right. They are in it because they love the youth and they want to to cultivate the youth. They're the future of the church. Right. And most kids, I think, the last thing we were told at a youth ministry meeting was most kids have already left the faith by the age of twelve. Wow. Mentally. Wow. They're well, just yeah. they're already done and they're like, There's nothing in this for me. No. So, um it it really weighs on my heart to make sure that um and my kids are all older than twelve, so I'm like, Oh goodness, like <laughs> they've made it over. <laughs> we're, hopefully. We're right? over twelve, or, yeah. hopefully, but you know, that's just the average oh, and yeah. so there's a lot of pressure on me as a parent to be like, Oh, I need to make sure they're provided with opportunities. I need to make sure I'm like steering in the right direction. I need to make sure I'm setting a good example um, um, to make sure they kind of stay on the right path. So it is, um, yeah, Unite is, is phenomenal. I am, I'm blessed to get to be on the, the board that plans stuff and to help actually uh, make these events happen for the kids. Yeah, absolutely. So just to, to clarify for anyone listening, each parish in town or just about each parish has their own youth uh, ministry faith formation yes, yep. program, right? Yep. Unite is just sort of all of these programs coming together. Yeah, we have a monthly meeting now. Um, every youth minister is invited, and actually, we do them here at St. James now. We come and we sit around the big table, and in, in theory, there's one from each parish there that belongs. There is a, a small membership fee so that we have a pool of monies to actually run the programs that we would like to do. And uh, yeah, so every parish has the opportunity to belong and to have their input into host events or help plan things. 
So it really is, it's a good opportunity to network with the youth ministers as mm. well. Yeah. You know, what are you guys doing? What is working? Um, it gives us a chance to build our community of youth ministers right, yeah. as yeah. well. And, you know, the more there are of us stoking the fire, they, they, nothing could go wrong with that. Like, that's... Um, right, yeah, absolutely. There's there's absolutely. no downside to us networking together more and figuring things out. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Unite Mass. I know there's some exciting uh, uh, extras for... There are. Uh, for the I'm excited about it. Next month, so uh, excited to talk about that. You're listening to Real Presence Radio, Nick Medelsky and Melissa Scaccio with Real Presence Live from St. James Coffee in Rochester. Stay tuned. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Have you ever worried about someone's salvation, especially one who died by suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Sometimes the state of their soul seems to cause us fear for their eternal fate. They die in what seems to be a hopeless state of sin and unrepentance. However, Jesus says in 1698 of the Diary of St. Faustina that what looks hopeless to us is in fact not so. He says that many times the soul illuminated by a ray of his final grace turns to him in the last moment to receive complete forgiveness of all sin and punishment, although we see no external signs of this. Wow! We can see why Jesus said that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. This is Mr. Johnson, the fourth grade teacher here at St. Philip's Catholic School in Bemidji, Minnesota, Please join us in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good job. Wonderful. You did a superb job. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And hello again, Real Presence Live listeners. Nick Bedelsky and Melissa Scacio from St. James Coffee here in Rochester, Minnesota. St. James Coffee, the official coffee provider of the uh, the women's conference. That just happened while, <laughs> while we were doing the Carmelite interview, so I uh, thought we'd uh, include that there. So, yeah, that's kind of why if, I disappeared for a little bit if, there. We if had if some business to talk another, about. <laughs> uh, if you've been wanting another reason to go to the women's conference, uh, St. James Coffee. So there yes, you go. Yes, we will be there providing the coffee for everything. So very exciting. Fantastic. Uh, if you're 
just joining us. Uh, Melissa's been telling us about uh, Unite Ministries here in town as, a, as the new, new-ish uh, youth minister at uh, St. Francis here in town. She's a part of that and uh, telling us about the Unite Masses, which are kind of like mini World Youth Days for the, uh, the uh, middle school through high schoolers mm-hmm. uh, here in town. And there's uh, some exciting things coming up with the October Mass. Yes, uh, very exciting. I... Um I'm so pumped about the Eucharistic revival, and I'm just like, what can we do? What can we do as, as a parish, and then with the youth, and just um, the Diocese of Winona Rochester has access to two relics of Eucharistic saints, which is very exciting. And one of my friends was like, "Hey, would you like them to have like a relic veneration at St. James?" And I said, "You know what? I would like to do with them is have them at the Unite Mass." So um, on October fifteenth, we will have our regular scheduled mass from 4.30 to 5.30. And then, um, actually, it'll be open to the public, too, not just the youth, from 5.30 to 6.30. Oh, I don't, maybe that's not up. No, that's the wrong date on there. Okay. So if you go on the Unite website, apparently the date is incorrect. Um, (laughs) I was going to say, that can't be the date because I planned it. (laughs) So everyone listening at home, the website says October 25th, but that's incorrect. That is incorrect, yes. The Mass will be October 15th. Yes, 15th. Saturday, October 15th. Um, We'll have our regular Mass from 4.30 to 5.30. Um, from 5.30 to 6.30, all of the youth that come will go down. We will feed them. We will have some community building stuff. Um, I am going to give a talk on the the veneration, like what what saints even really are, what does it mean that we venerate them, who these saints are that we have coming, um, but open to the public if you would like to come and see them yourself. We will have Blessed Carlo Acutis, who is... Um, Oh, he did such great things for the Eucharist. Probably going to be the patron saint of the internet. He's only been beatified for two years, and he made a huge website bringing all the Eucharistic miracles together. Um, that that He's just in and of himself awesome. And if he was alive, he'd be 10 years younger than me. He'd only be 31. So it gives me great hope that normal people can become saints, even <laughs> like in today's day and age. Right. And then also we will have um, St. Manuel Gonzalez, who is also known as a Eucharistic saint. I don't know as much about him because I haven't written my talk yet. Um, so, but I know that he, he will also be coming. And then I, I talked to our, our parish priest and I said, could we just bring out the relics St. Francis has? So we have an Elizabeth Ann Seton that will be there. We'll have St. Francis of Assisi because that is our parish. We'll have a Claire of Assisi, and we have one more, and I'm not sure who it is. I have a hard time reading what the reliquary says. And then at the meeting, I said, well, why don't you guys, other youth ministers, see if your priest will let you bring your guys' relics? So waiting to see who else may be there, but we will have at least six there for, re- for veneration. The public is welcome between 5.30 and 6.30. After 6.30, we will kind of scooch everybody out because then the youth will get to come up and we're going to do an hour of adoration with relic veneration um, during adoration. And then we're going to do some praise and worship and then we're going to have some community time for the kids. So um, it's it's going to be exciting. Um, my teenagers help me plan this kind of stuff. <laughs> so they're like, you know, mom, maybe kids wouldn't like that. And I'm like, perfect. Well, you just tell me what would be appealing to teenagers and we will plan that. And then it gives them ownership over the event as well. So it will be a big evening, October 15th. Absolutely, absolutely. And I was just looking it up while you were speaking. I know, I see so, his picture. Blessed Carlo Acutis and St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia are the patrons of the Eucharistic Revival. So oh, they are like super special. So they're the, the patrons for this Eucharistic Revival throughout the United States. Because this is a program of the United States bishops. Mm-hmm. 
So it's not just here in Rochester, just here in the diocese, right? This is a nationwide thing. And in fact, these relics are kind of making their way around to different dioceses and it just happened to line up, right? Yes, it did. Yeah, you know, another one of those God moments. Providential, yes. <laughs> that they just happened to be here. This is their the, weekend when, the when we had already, the right? yep. yeah, so. I had the mass planned and then it was like, oh, that's the same weekend when Ona Rochester gets to have them. Very cool. Very cool. So meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. And Blessed Carlo Acutis, uh, people are probably familiar with, you know, he, he established that website about the Eucharistic miracles, mm-hmm. and that's kind of why he's seen as one of the patrons of the Eucharistic... Eucharistic revival, yes. Thank you. That word. got tied there. <laughs> um, not, that, not that we haven't been saying it enough, um, but uh, St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia, people might not be as familiar with. He was a bishop in Spain um, around the 1930s. He died in 1940, it looks like. Yeah, 1940, when he was 62. So he was a priest for a while before he was a bishop. And he's been called the Bishop of the Tabernacle uh, because of his strong devotion to the Eucharist. Uh, He made it his personal objective to spread devotion to the Eucharist and encourage frequent reception of the Eucharist as well. So he's a perfect... Uh, perfect uh, one to have as the patron of the Eucharistic Revival. And he was recently canonized in 2016. Oh, I mean, so he's in church terms, that's that's pretty recent. Yeah, right? Only six recent. years ago. So um, very cool to, to have saints like that to ask us to, to help, ask for their intercession to help us as we go through the this Eucharistic Revival when the Eucharist was so important to these two, mm-hmm. right? Um, and to actually have them with us. Um, for listeners who might not... Uh, might not quite know how to explain or might not quite uh, um, appreciate it. What is the significance of having relics here? Oh, just among us? Yeah, well, and you know, and having those relics there for the youth mass. Like, what's. Oh, yeah, oh, for sure. Um, well, as Catholics, we believe that relics have a certain, I hate to use the word power, but um, it goes all the way back to the Acts of the Apostles where mm-hmm. things. Like, you know, they used to, like, chop people up that were holy and then spread spread their pieces about the church doesn't, you know, okay that anymore. Um, but uh, Well, you have that story in Acts where it's yeah. Peter's handkerchief, right? Yeah, his handkerchief, yeah. So something he was in someone, close contact right? with, yes. Yeah, and then absolutely. things happen because um, that handkerchief was in contact with him and then it was in contact with someone else. And ever since the early days of the church, right, the early Christians praying at the catacombs, praying in the tombs of yep. saints, miracles, literally offering mass, right, on the relics of the saints. Yep. So uh, pretty important stuff, and it's something that's, Long been a part of Christian practice, regardless yes. of what may have heard elsewhere, right? Um, you know, certain people have different interpretations of that, but it's always been a part of the church. It's found in Acts and, and ever since the earliest days. Yeah, so just a, a beautiful tradition that the church has. Um, and for the youth to be able to see, you know, they, they know that there are things as, such things as relics. We talk about how saints are canonized, and like we, we talk about those things, but then all of a sudden it's in front of you. And I remember um, we had a, a big relic... Um, I don't even know what you call it. It was a big relic collection, came to St. Francis a few years ago, and they had this one that had one from all of the apostles and mm. Mary's veil, and the, uh, there was a sliver of the true cross, and just, holy wow, to be, you know, those things are 2,000 years old. Yeah. Um, just, it, it just, it's another thing. It's like, why you go to the Holy Land? You know, it brings an aspect of the faith to life for you, something that's been abstract in your mind. Um and, you know, and then it's, I don't know, it's just, as humans, we need to see stuff. We, right, we are very right. visual people. We like to see proof of things. And it was like, you hear about this. This person really existed. Like, this is 
um, a part of him. I think it's Carlo Acutis. I think it's some of his hair. I can't remember. Mm. You know, it's, um, but yeah, it's like that is, that person lived and this was, this was a part of them or it was something they were in close contact with. Um, right. It's not just a person in a storybook or in an article you mm-hmm. read online or something like that. This is your proof if you needed it, right? Yes. Yeah. This, this was an actual real holy person. In fact, if, uh, the people who might not have handled relics before, usually if you open up the little, it's called a Thecla around it, the little metal case on the back. There's actually a wax stamp from the bishop or whoever put that in there. It's sealed, it in. sealed in there to be like, yes, this is who it is. And there's paperwork that goes with it, too, that's like, yes, it was from this day. And, this, you know, they'll even say what part of the body it's from and, and all kinds of things like that. So this is very, very well documented, um, you know, that this is actually who this is. It's not, uh, not just a... You know, something someone made up one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a great opportunity. And uh, Blessed Carlo Cutis, was, he was 15 when he died. And he actually, in my confirmation class, we cover him. He is our first saint that we talk mm. about. Because it's like he's your age. He's He would be younger than me. So, like, he would be 31. And, you know, this is how you live your faith in the world. This is how you do what you can do with what you have. Um, and and he's and now he's a saint. He just right. He just loved Jesus and... He stayed close to the sacraments, and and yeah, and um, amazing things happened. He did great things, um, and you know they probably didn't seem great to him. He was probably just doing what he was interested yeah, in and exactly. what he felt drawn to do. And uh, what a witness to be like, you know, whatever your passions are. His passion was he loved technology, he loved the internet, and he loved Jesus, and he rolled that all into something. And I'm sure he didn't realize that it would be like a worldwide phenomena what he did and that everybody would know who he was and everyone would know what he did. Um, but it's, yeah, yeah, I have the kids look at it and we click through and each one gets to pick a Eucharistic miracle mm. and they get to read about it. And, you know, and most, some of the kids didn't even know Eucharistic miracles were a thing. Right. And then he's got the pictures and it's just like, oh my gosh, it opens up a whole new world during the Eucharistic revival. Like, it's real, guys. Like, this is proofs that... This right. really is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Like, if you need proof and you're doubting because you're just seeing the host every weekend, this, all of these things really, really happen. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, it's not just, not just a story or not just a rumor or an urban legend or something like that. That's one of the driving things, I'm sure, that the reason he put this website together was, no, here, here's a photograph. Here's, here's what it looks like. Here's where you can go visit it. Mm-hmm. Here's the story. You know, like... Uh, all of it lined out and very much uh, presented for the modern day, right? Mm-hmm. Where people can look at it and be like, oh, yeah, well, I guess maybe there is something to that. Yeah, and that's, you know, kids need that. They Kids have so many voices in their head. There are so many things coming at them. And when you're like, yes, this is really Jesus. And we just started faith formation. So, like, the K or the first through eighth graders. And I was like, I'm tasking you guys this year. Like, this is this is really Jesus. We're in the Eucharistic Revival. You, it's your job to go home and make sure your families know that that's Jesus too. Like, talk to your parents about it. Like, what, what is it? What does the revival look like? You know, we can, like I said, you challenge the youth and then you, you let them and you see what they do with it. I'm excited for them to come back this week and see if, and if any of the kids actually went home and were like, hey, mom, dad, did you know that's really Jesus? Mm. Because some parents don't. I mean, yeah. catechesis has been poor for some time. Some people yeah. are lucky enough to have good catechesis in their families, but. You know, we can task the youth with changing. Like, I think they're probably the most effective tools we have in the revival, actually, is going to be the youth, not the adults. The youth are going to catechize the adults for us, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if you're interested in uh, having 
your young person participate in the uh, Unite activities, uniterochestermn.org. And uh, is that, say someone uh, from St. Charles or something like that wanted to come for the Unite Mass, is that... Uh, oh, yeah, that's perfectly fine. Absolutely. We, we welcome them, and then hopefully we could get their parish in with Unite as well. And they, St. Charles used to be, and now they're not, so hopefully we'll bring them back in. Well, fantastic. UniteRochesterMN.org. Uh, after the break, we're going to be speaking with Bishop Chad Zielinski. Super excited for that one. Uh, stay tuned here on Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Radio Network. 